Welcome to Leaders on the Rise. I'm Lydia Pierre, founder and CEO of Pierre Branding Group. We help create stories that resonate with audiences to forge unforgettable, unique brand experiences. These stories ultimately become infused with all aspects of the client's branding, thereby turning entrepreneurs into media celebrities by growing their authority and helping them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal to you how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello there, and welcome to Leaders on the Rise. I am your host, Lydia Pierre, CEO of Pierre Branding Group. And today we have a very, very special guest. She is someone who has been through so much, but has done even more with that. She's turned lemon into lemonades by creating a space where she can help women get through the welfare system and navigate the challenges they're in, being someone who went through it herself. Welcome to the show, R.W. Jones. Welcome. Thank you, Lydia. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It is absolutely my pleasure to have you on today to be able to hear your story, share your story, and be able to maybe even change someone's life just by hearing about you and the services that you offer. So tell us a little bit about who you are, how you are, why you are, because I mean, looking through all of your amazing material, I mean, first of all, the branding, amazing. (laughs) That's a huge compliment from you. Yes, yes, because, you know, I'm, I'm big on branding, being a brand manager and consultant, and to be able to see how flawlessly you've brought your story together, incorporated some um, just unique and different ways of just telling that story um, and being able to have it all flow and follow through. It's just amazing. So kudos to you for that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we would love to hear more about who you are, of course, and and how you be you're able to turn your story into such something so inspiring something that motivates others and essentially helps them amen well I, I I'm so grateful for that 20 years later because 20 years ago I really thought I was like cursed I thought I was not loved of God I thought I was just totally doing something that I thought I was doing something wrong I thought something was you know I I just was rejected and abandoned I was a throwaway. I was the worst. I just thought that my experience was, I thought it was just uniquely mine. And it was so horrible, you know, where it literally caused me to almost commit suicide and drown my four sons. And so the story is, you know, where I was while I was trying to help these, you know, single, these youths that were in the detention center, you know, they were from all single family homes. Our jails were filled with people from single family homes. And while I was trying to solve it, I became it. And I didn't see what was happening. But me trying to get out of that system that penalized me for wanting to become independent, you would think the system was there to help. So yes, they'll give you TANF and Medicaid and food stamps and WIC and childcare and even housing. But as soon as you make one step towards you know, independence by working, you are immediately cut off. Not even a, you get 10 days, 10 days. And so while you're trying to figure it out, while you're making mistakes, you have children. I just was tired of climbing a ladder 
that literally went nowhere. Mm-hmm. And after, you know, you receive paychecks, you go to work, you get paid. But by the time your paycheck comes, you had nothing. I had nothing left. Mm-hmm. I was in a deficit every single pay period. And it just, I was just like, I'm never going to get out of here. And I remember the, the, this moment where I literally looked over my life. I looked, I fast forwarded like most of us do. We'll fast forward and see how is this going to play out? And all I could see around my family, everyone was in the projects. We had pimps, hoes, drug dealers, HIV, obesity, single women, you know, poor relationships. Everything was just terrible. And I was like, ew, I don't, if if I'm fighting to get out of here for that, Mm -hmm. I might as well just end it right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just end it, you know, because I was looking at my four sons. I have four small children ages um one was a newborn a one-year-old a two-year-old three-year-old pregnant every day by the time I went to the hospital for a checkup I was pregnant so I had postpartum didn't even know it doctors never even told me mm-hmm. and battling these thoughts it was just a, a really torturous desperate place and I actually heard a voice that said drown them and I went to run the water get the towels and I was like, let me see what child I'm going to drown first. I'm going to get the oldest because he's going to give me the most trouble. But I, I couldn't, I couldn't um, find them. So I would call for my oldest, Messiah. You know, I'm like, let me hurry up and get this over with because I'm just going to slip my wrist and we're going to be done. And we're done. And he wasn't anywhere to be found. Um, my second Nazareth, then I called for Genesis. I said, let me go to the crib because I knew once I drowned the first one I would had to I would have to keep going through with this committed plan that I already had but I promise you the Lord hid them from my eyes because they were nowhere to be found there were nowhere to be found in that room and then you know one of them came before me eating this cookie and he's just laughing at me and he's just looking at me and I'm like well, why are you laughing like we're about to leave we're leaving today why are you laughing but in his laughter it was like as if I I was just held captive by his laughter and in his life, that was so pure, so innocent. It was so hopeful. It was so joyful. And in the laughter, I could hear a voice, a whisper that said, hold on, hold on, wait, it gets better. And it was, that was the moment I, sh- like, I just came to myself, right. fell to my knees because who I was that needed to hold on and who I was in that moment that could have made such a heinous decision I, I felt like I was going to have a nervous breakdown and I, I fell to my knees. I prayed one prayer. I said, Lord, if you get me out of this in my right mind, I promise I will come back and help others like me. And that is what you see today. You see a committed, it's a promise. This was the promise that I made to the Lord. that if he got me out of my right mind, I was going to come and help others that was in the system, stuck in the bowels, trapped in the bowels of this facade. And I was going to help get them out. And I told, I said, I don't care if it takes me 20 years. I'm going to change this welfare system. Yeah, I don't care if it takes me 20 years. And it has literally, we're 20 years in. And I was like, well, Lord, I didn't really mean that, like, for real, for real. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, wow. I mean, first of all, that's not only is that an amazing story, but it is, thank you for being so honest and vulnerable and open about that. Because I know- That story is not easy to tell. It can't be, mm-hmm. even though I know that it's it's who you mm-hmm. are now and it's what's what's put you in this place. But 
telling a story like that, I'm sure you, you even in the beginning, learning how to tell that story and not feel judged every time or not even judging yourself. Forget the people. Right. Right. It was so real. Yes, it was so real. But there's many times I tell it, I always cry. Like Mm -hmm. I'm giving you the abbreviated version. When I go through it really slow, I always tear up because it I'm just I stand in that moment every time I tell that story. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, I think it's scary. It's so scary because I I already made the decision to do it. I was Mm -hmm. already there. Had it not been God. Had it not been his grace, had it not been an intervention, I would have probably been known as one of this, you know, this heinous woman who did this heinous thing in, in history. Right. But look at God. Look at God. Look, look who you're known as now. Like, look at what he's done. Look at what he has done. And and, and, the, and I guess me even commenting on the branding and how beautiful everything looks and how nice, you know, that's kind of how it is, right? People see the outside. They see how it's packaged mm-hmm. and how beautiful it is and how it came together. They act like you've been here this whole time. Like this has always been who she's, no. she's been, right? And when you yeah. dig deeper and you really find out what what it took mm. <laughs> for beauty to come about. Like, the beast, like if we talk about beauty and the beast, the beast you had to become yes. in order to protect and to see yourself through this. Mm-hmm. I'm like what, what was that like? What was it like just pushing yourself? Not like not even that story in itself, but right. after that. after. Yes. So I remember getting off the floor. The first thing I did was turn the TV off. And I became literally overnight, I was a system. I became a system. The system was already in me later, I found out. But I just remember walking around the room and I started to just clean, organize, move things around. And I began washing all the clothes. I began folding the clothes. I began putting the the children's clothes in these cubbies. And each one of them, it was four kids. And each one still had pants, socks, underwear, T-shirts, pampers, you know. And I did that five times, four times. Each week, I went, I went upstairs. I made the dinner. I put the tub. I went and got Tupperware bowls. And I labeled it. Like, I literally created the system literally overnight. And then I looked around and it was like, I didn't even realize how much time had passed. But then I realized in that moment, oh my God, this is now your new life. You are a super organized, super system and everything had a process and everything had a place. And that was the beast that I had to become. I had to become an efficient person because I have four kids. I was in school. And then God gives you a vision to like, do something great with your life. Right. Like how you managing all of that. Um, so you're talking about, you know, just isolated, you know, but so focused, so, so, right. so, so focused that I'm I was so determined. Yeah. I was so determined that I had to find out how this system works. I had to find out how I was, what I was going to offer. What would I offer? And mm-hmm. so a lot of that was getting past self-doubt, self, you know, just life sabotaging habits. Um, and belief and then just fighting. I would fight for the word. I had to fight for my vision because no one believed it. No one saw it. Mm -hmm. I had to fight for it. And I would say, can I live? We'll live and not die. Father, we will live and not die. I had to pray and cry endless nights, endless nights of tears and frustration, but yet still a hope, Mm -hmm. just a hope that one day, Lord, we'll get it. Yeah. 
Now, do you mind if we talk about your relationship with God and how, what did you, were you raised Christian? Did you grow up in the church? Like where did that relationship with God come from for you? Cause some people just kind of, I see wasn't the- raised in the church. No, I, my mom definitely was not raised in the church. Um, the only thing I can say is God was always there. I just didn't really know him personally, but I remember saying to God, if you are real, show yourself to me. I just remember walking down the street and I was like, I don't know. You know, everybody talks about you, Jesus, Lord, you know, I don't even know you for myself. So if you are who you are, you know, make yourself real to me. And I just remember always just being there and always feeling someone else, something else was around me, a presence, a, an energy. I was never alone. And so at some point I had to recognize you actually, you know, it was one thing to just know God and God knows you, but then it was another thing to be chosen. It was the chosen part. That was the part I had to grasp. And it was just experiences that I would go through. I was saying, "Mm, this is crazy. Okay, God. I'll take this serious. Like, I'm going to take you serious from now on because you're not playing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it was just so many just Ripley's Believe It or Not stories that I had to really look and say, well, who are you? Mm -hmm. Girl, I would look in the mirror like, who are you? Who are you that you would be this protected, this love, this, you would be able to get these downloads and you would be able to just fortify yourself and move through. And so I had to start looking at myself like God looks at me. Wow. That that was a process. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And that's where it starts, right? It starts from how you see yourself. And once you start mm. to see yourself, like God sees you, like you're saying, then the world starts to see you that way too, right? Man. They start to see something different about this one. Mm-hmm. Like this ain't no regular. Right. <laughs> regular. <laughs> right. Right. So, right. And for you, again, I go back to the branding because that's what it's about for me. Because for me, it's a ministry. Yeah. Branding is a ministry for me. Amen. It's the now eye that- gates. You got to get past the eye gates. Hmm. So, you know, so listen, when I, I because of my rejection and, and abandonment and because of the way people looked at me when I was this mom with four kids, I internalized that. And I said, if I can show people like I want to, this has to be authentic authentic and true so yeah we're working on ourselves but I saw how people would dismiss you right Right, right. just from right from just from perception yeah from yeah they (laughs) from just reading the book by its cover so and 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 that's why it's a ministry for me because when people come to me and they say they have an idea it's so important that their message gets out and that it's not dismissed because it was mm-hmm. a right? because mm-hmm. the pictures weren't pretty enough or because it didn't rhyme or it's the little things. Like yes. they say, the double the details, it's yes. legit. Like even yes. the details and he will destroy yes. everything just because your website is not looking the way it needs to look or that. So I, I thank God Absolutely. that whoever worked with you on this, I thank God that they were anointed Amen. To cover you in a way that your message is packaged in such a way that it could be respected and be able yeah. to be received by those who need it. Because maybe yeah. I looked at them things, I was like, wow, she is mm-hmm. out here. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, yeah. That was Ben McCullough from the McCray group out in Texas. He helped me shape my message. He just said, you know, you got too much. And he just really... And I went through Donald Miller's story brand, believe it or not. Like the story brand guide 
help me fine tune my message. It was the missing piece. I was angry in one minute. Like, why did I, why couldn't I get this earlier? Like you, it was like 20 years it took me to get this, but it was like a missing piece for me. Right, 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 right. But it, it all came together. You had to still go through that story and that journey in order to even put that Absolutely. finishing touch on it. So it's all good. Absolutely. You're here now. Amen. <laughs> it's all good. You're Amen. Here Let's talk about where you're at now. We got books. We got nonprofits. We got consulting agencies. We got the wealth, wealth fair tour. I love that. Yes. I love that. I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like most of the stuff is me. Like I am a branding you know, guru. Yeah. Most of this is like I see it, but I can't say I can't promise you. I can't tell you that I could just make this stuff up. It is literally like a a, a download. Yes. I call I, it a I download. It happens to me, I promise you. It's literally a vision and like Yes, God, you just see it. Yeah, you see it, but sometimes you just don't know how to put it together. And I just feel like People, God puts the right people around you. And I thank God that I get to be one of those people for some others, mm-hmm. like, like they were for you, that they they get the, the vision, but then God helps me see how big they can make it. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, wow. Like, if we do this yeah. together, we can blow this up. So I know it's you. This is not, I'm not giving them all the credit by no means. I know no, no, no. Right. Definitely. But, but it's still who God puts around you to help enhance and kind of really just take it to that next level and cover it this way. And to be able to, I mean, I'm, I'm just very, very proud. <laughs> well, thank you so oh, much, Lydia. That means a whole lot. I'm like, yeah. Oh, we really moving now. Yes. Got very a branded proud. expert and say, yes, yes. I'm like, Hey, very proud. So talk to me about the wealth fair tour. Yeah, so the welfare tour is actually just like you said, we're we're here to change the narrative. Moms don't want welfare. Dads don't want welfare. They want welfare. They want a fair distribution of America's wealth because the rules that um are given to programs like entitlement programs that run poverty programs, it keeps them poor. It keeps them trapped in a cycle of dependence. But the rules that are on the other side of the fence aids others in their prosperity. And what we're saying is, you know, how about we just make wealth fair in the United, you know, in our country, then you wouldn't need welfare at all if it was just fair. So this is a scavenger hunt. We're on a scavenger hunt looking for um, more than $18 billion in HUD federal funds that is um, triggered by a law called Section 3. And it was of it's part of the civil rights certification when Dr. King was assassinated. They had this commission put together for riots and stuff like that. But then Dr. And they said, um, Linda B. Johnson was like, we're not doing that. But then Dr. King got assassinated and they were like, okay, we're going to do this. And so it was part of the civil rights um, era, but it was basically saying wherever HUD money is spent, HUD financial assistance is rendered like to housing authorities, like to cities, to the greatest extent feasible training, employment, contracting opportunity needed to go to low-income residents in that area. And so you see this major redevelopment happening across the United States. Everywhere you go, you see big development. Well, there's two people who's developing, private and public. And so in that public, nine times out of 10, HUD monies is going to be spent because they're the Department of Housing and Urban Development. And in these projects, these projects should be afforded to low-income 
um, residents. But no one knows about it. The contractors don't know. The entities don't know. No one knows. No one is enforcing it. No one is holding anybody accountable. And they said there was so much money. It was about $16 million in weekly wages. Wow. And I'm thinking to myself, I want a piece of that. So I'm out here. We, you know, our motto is bringing opportunity home. But we want to make sure that when we bring it home, you can you're prepared to take advantage of it too. So a lot of what the nonprofit does is the the preparation, the work readiness, the incubator, business development, those kind of things, the the resident council training, gearing you up, building that capacity, and then so now we're out vending at conferences with the contractors required to meet the the section three regulation. And so we're like, Hey, you know, your contract triggers section three. So building those partnerships and bringing in just standing in a gap, because the only reason why an 18 billion could just be sitting out there, there's some major gaps in the, in the, you know, service delivery process that needs to be fixed. So we stand in that gap. That's awesome. That's awesome. And like you said, I like what you said about how how you help them to get ready to be ready, right? Because a lot of times, I, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of times what seems to be wrong with the welfare system in addition is that because they just keep throwing money or what appears to be money at the problem, the people become dependent on it and they almost don't want to, but it's set up that way, right? So that they don't want to lose that money. So they stay in, in the situation so they could keep getting those benefits. You're not even allowed to be married. Well, they, they, they well, yeah, yeah. They're, but they don't have a choice. Right. You right. don't have a choice because as a single mom with kids, who's turning down health insurance? Who's turning down right. food? Who's turning down housing? These right. are a hierarchy of needs. This is Maslow one-on-one. We learned that in school. Right, right. So, you know, now you want them to give up the basic necessities to life for a minimum wage job when you're going to take care of them, whether they work or not. Right. This is so I, we, yeah, we tell people like she, you're, you're competing with a $50,000, but I think it's just part of the system's front so that they can pay nonprofits all of this money to work on work development. Let's get people to work. You're never going to get these people to work because there's no amount of money that they can make that's going to compete with Uncle Sam's benefit package. And so when we come in, we teach the um, staff how to override because you can because that's how we we were able to do it that's how I did it so there was actually there's a process that you can go where you can still keep your benefits solve the economic thirst and reduce your risk of economic failure as you grow yourself out of poverty that that's something that so is unique to us is unique to the approach that we've taken but it's also just a high level of just service like standard like all of these people know that moms keep telling them, if I work, they're going to cut me off. But no one has decided to advocate or yeah. put a policy together, put a partnership together, nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So how does someone get involved or how does someone, first of all, how does someone get involved to be able to help and support what you're doing? So it depends on how they wanted to support. If you're, if you're a part of a housing authority and you definitely want to, you know, just kind of get in, we have conferences. So if they go to the welfare tour, they could definitely see where our conferences are, attend, at least get in the know, know how to move families. Let's, let's at least get that. If you are on a frontline service provider, human services, you know, nonprofit, if you are tasked with the, the job to move families forward, let us show you how. 
Um, Secondly, if you are a professional, let's say you run a small business, Chamber of Commerce memberships, you know, some of the um, top tier corporations, if you want to help, we have a platform called the Section 3 Marketplace. You can come on our platform and you can become an employee partner. So what we do is build partnerships with entities that will employ our, um, you know, program participants after they go through the life skills and work readiness. So you can become an employee partner. You can become a contracting partner. You can become um, just a partner, period, in terms of moving families forward. Of course, just donations. If you shop on Amazon, shop hmm. using our smile link. Yes. So right on a can I live dot org tab, there is a support tab. They we we are listed in the PayPal charity given, which means if you pay through PayPal, they don't take any fees out. Amazon, we get a small, very small percentage of what people shop with, but but everything counts. Um mm-hmm. And then you can also make a donation. We're on the global giving um, platform. Advisory board members, if you have a skill in, you know, relationships and then government, if you're a government relations, if you are a fundraiser, serving on an advisory board is, is critical. So we're growing yeah. fast by the days, but keeping up with that growth is it could be painful if, we, if you don't have enough capital. Right, 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 right. So, I mean, again, amazing what you're doing. You gave a lot of amazing websites. Is there, so we have thebrilliantmare.com as well. I want to talk about that a little bit. So mm-hmm. that's where you create brilliant millionaires in the making. Is that part of that space where you're helping them to be able to develop those leadership skills, those life skills, things of that nature? So brilliant millionaires in the making, um, because, you know, you're always taught whoever can afford your products is your customer. And so right now, the customers that we serve are government entities, nonprofits. That's just who we are because of, and then the people cannot afford to buy the what we sell. And so brilliant millionaires, the outcome of our work is is creating brilliant millionaires. Absolutely. Awesome. 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 And that, that website is the brillionaire.com. That is B-R-I-L-L-I-O-N-A-I-R-E.com. Just the way it sounds, the brillionaire.com to learn more about that program. And her story is right there on the homepage telling you exactly who she is, how she got started. She calls herself the welfare escape artist. I love it. Yes. <laughs> that was my first name before the brillionaire. Because I could get out of any situation. So there are people, families will come to me and they will ask me, you know, here's my situation. So it really is systems navigation. So right. I'm able to navigate families through the system using one program to, to leverage the other legally so they don't get arrested for fraud um, to move them forward. Absolutely. That's amazing. And that's what you do through the brillionaire.com. Yeah. So brillionaire, no, brillionaire. It's mostly right now as the training entity that trains the FSS family. So I'm really big on family self-sufficiency. So our goal is to really enhance that family self-sufficiency program because it's the only program in the world that will allow you to pay your rent and they put it in an escrow account for you. So I work with FSS participants, those that are enrolled in family self-sufficiency programs. I work with the staff and I work with the families because the goal is to take that escrow 
increase it, save it, invest it, and build your millionaire, billionaire brand. Yes, yes. Amazing, amazing. Yes, and then Thank you have you. Can I Live? Of course, yes. And you have Can I Live? And that's your nonprofit organization, correct? Yes. Can I Live is a national, um, actually a tennis association, a public housing tennis association. Everyone in our organization are former welfare moms. And so we give contracts. So it's like moms helping moms. All of our contracts go towards small businesses, sometimes with their very first contract. Mm-hmm. But we give them that ability to perform. We give them the ability to earn money because we're just not going to make money and give it to someone else. Right. They need right. the funds. They need, you know, they have businesses, brands, intellect, passion. They have promise and purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And we, yeah. That's amazing. And that's can I live.org. That's where you can find information about the Can I Live um, pro, um, nonprofit organization that she has. And then we have the books. Mm, <laughs> off my butt. <laughs> yes, get your hands off my butt. How yeah, about tell me about that. Believe it or not, get your hands. First, the first book was Get Your Hands Out My Pocket. It's the hands-on guide to avoiding a child support system. I wrote that in honor of, because I could not believe every one of the fathers that I had, because I had three children's fathers, wound up in the child support system and and, and on purpose, like they wanted to go. And I, I just didn't understand, like, what man in their right mind would rather be in the child support system? So mm-hmm. it was just understanding and you know peeling back the layers the relationships how how just the relationships with with men how they were and then raising four boys four young men just helping men understand women if you understand the wiring of a woman if you understand who you are and how you come into the table you'll never end up in the child support system you should never mm-hmm. um and then it was right at this the last page of the book I just, the birth of the female book came out. Um, and I say, you know, don't, I know I was probably a little hard on you fellas, but that's okay. I'm going to check the ladies and get your hands off my butt. And that's the hands on God to avoiding a welfare system. Because as you know, black women are glorified by their behinds. Mm-hmm. They out here getting fake booties and everything. Everybody getting a fake butt. Body. And there's these little girls out here that just believe as long as I got a big booty, I don't need nothing else. Yeah, I'm making. And I'm like, mm, and you're gonna wind up in a welfare system because if you having sex unprotected, uh, you're gonna wind up in a welfare system. So it really teaches youth and young adults how to not have children before you're responsibly ready to take care of them. And if I can help a, a mom go, if I can avoid her going into the welfare system nine times out of ten, I can avoid a young man from going into the child support system, which also can negate him from going into the criminal justice system. Wow. Look how one, like, it's like a chain reaction, like a ripple. Yeah. Of, yes. Yes. You save one, you save three at that point, like or four there or you five. Go. Yeah. There you yeah. go. That's amazing. That's amazing. Wow. Amen. Well, uh, the, again, everything you're doing, kudos, bravo. All Amen. Thank the way you. Cleverly put together the way that it just really speaks truth and authenticity 
Um, I, I'm just really blown away and I would love to be involved <laughs> however I can, Amen, whether, yay. whether it's helping to get the word out, whether it's being part of the advisory board, whether it is approaching Chamber of Commerce, because I sit on two boards of Chamber of Commerce, mm. nonprofit organizations. I mean, um, I, I, I just really love, you have something special, special here. So Amen. I, will, I will send you an email, Lydia, though. You ain't got to, listen, you ain't got to tell me twice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and again, this this is really a great, great, it's really great what you're doing. And to be able to, like you said, to be able to come up with these strategies and ideas and have them all support one another this way is just it's just beautiful. So mm-hmm. I'm very yeah, we could always use your help as a branding expert. We have a whole incubator. We have young businesses going through there all the time. So we oh, have coaches you. that come on and talk about branding and things like that. So we could definitely utilize oh, your services. I'm here because yes. it's a ministry for me. It's not, it's not just about business. It's about really True. helping people see themselves in a bigger, amazing way to see all the ways it could change the world and impact the world. Amen. Just by just just by sometimes just by packaging it the right way, just by just figuring out. At least start there. At least get there. If you because you you don't have anything if you can't get there. Exactly, exactly. And even the word of God was a message, right? He had to walk around with this message. So, Mm -hmm. but people had to get the message. So absolutely, get the message. So, however we can help support that, support what you're doing. I would love. I am honored. Thank. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Because we pray daily. Like, Lord, send them from the north, south, east, and the west. Where they at? Please send them. Send them, send them. So and thank I you. you. I got more for you. So I'm an advocate. I'm going to send people. I'm like, oh, you guys need to get involved. So, because yes. yes, 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 yes. So what area are you in? So I know right now you're in San Diego. So are I you? Am. Are you up north as well? Are you here in in, in Atlanta? So we're, we're actually housed in Washington, D.C. So we left on this tour in May. So we're about six months in and we're out here in california until the end of october then we're coming back up north um into the dmv area dc maryland virginia and then we're headed to the illinois um minnesota michigan area next year so our tour is 300 cities and to visit the poorest public housing communities in the wealthiest cities in some of the wealthiest cities just to see the contrast Wow. And, and, you know, that's where you're going to find the poor people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because that's where you see the disparity. <laughs> that's where yep. you see the yeah, right, like, disparity. disparities. Yeah, in, amongst them. So amazing, amazing. Again, everyone, if you want to learn more about the amazing things that R.W. Jones is doing, you can visit thebrillionaire.com. Yes. And that'll lead you to quite a few of the other amazing projects she has. Her books is on that website. Um, The podcast that she has and the podcast, you got to see some of the titles for some of these shows, these episodes. <laughs> I mean, the cleverness is blowing my mind. So Amen. you guys got to check her out and see all of the amazing things she's doing and the creativity behind it. And just this, the, the, you can see her heart. You can see her mind and her passion is really for this. So Amen. A pleasure. <laughs> Thank and, you, Lydia. Of course, of course. So any last words, anything you want to tell us before we sign off? I always leave, um, I try to leave my podcast with this this remark. This this quote changed my life. And it, it says, if you take the learning of your mind to the place where the passions of your heart meets the talents of your hands, that is the place where you make a difference. That is purpose. That is destiny. 
And I urge everybody to go and find that place. Take the learning of your mind to the place where the passions of your heart meets the talents of your hands. Wow. Wow. And on that note, we could drop the mic right there. (laughs) Thank you again so much, RW, for being on the show and for just imparting your knowledge and your talents and all the great things that you're doing. And we will keep an eye out for how we can all get involved. (laughs) Absolutely. You'll get an email, no doubt. Yes. And anyone who's listening, if you would like to get involved, please do. They're doing great things. Check them out and just drop them an email, drop them a, a, a something. Just reach out and she will be glad to receive you with open arms. Amen. Thank you. Yes. Until next time. Lydia here. Thank you so much for listening to Leaders on the Rise. If you are a successful CEO, founder, C-suite executive, decision maker, successful business leader, or an influential entrepreneur who would like to be on this podcast, please visit pierrebrandinggroup.com slash podcast to apply. If you got something out of this interview you would like to share on social media, just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag leaders on the rise. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they mean so much to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, pierrebrandygroup.com, or follow me on LinkedIn and Instagram at LydiaPierre underscore. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.